that bumper carries some suspense, doesn't it? Like, man, it's going to be intense today, right? But uh, hey, we're glad that you're here and welcome. Uh, the first thing I want to say is this. If you're a guest with us today, man, we want to meet you. And so after the service, there's a bright orange table right back there at the back, and I will be there after the service. Love to say hey and uh, welcome you, and we have a gift for you. And I just want to say thanks for coming, all right? Uh, but we're glad that you're here today with us. Uh, we're continuing on through our series called Believe. And again, 30 weeks of this, we have been going through this series, but if you're new today, it's okay because we are uh, starting each week in a way that you can catch up and pick up and be right there with us, okay? And so the first 10 weeks that we talked about this series, we're walking through this series, we talked about what we believe, what we believe about God, what we believe about the Holy Spirit, the Bible, all of those different things, and we kind of set the foundation of what we believe, then the next 10 weeks, we moved it into action. So I believe these things, but now this is how I act because I believe these things. So we talked about worship. We talked about prayer. We talked about biblical community and the church and all of those things and how those go together. And then here now in these last 10 weeks, we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? And so we've been walking through Galatians 5 where Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit residing within us as a follower and believer of Jesus, okay? And so, with that, I want to clarify again, and I'll probably say it every week, and maybe by the end we'll get it, all right? It's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit, all right? It's specific there. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So each one is individual, though they may work together, each one is individual, okay? And so it's the fruit of the Spirit. So let's look at that passage, Galatians chapter 5, and let's see exactly what it says there when Paul writes that to the Galatians. Okay, it says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, or faith, gentleness, and self-control, right? And then he says this, he says, against such things there is no Law, because these things are right and true and pure, okay? Now, those who belong to Christ, Jesus has crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. Now, I know that not all of that was up there today, but I want to clarify for you this fact, okay? It says, against such things there is no law. Why? Because these things are good, Okay, these things are good, and they're pure, and they're perfect. And so with that, all right, we have talked about a little bit how verse 22 starts with this little word, but, right? And that little word has a lot of power in it, and it changes everything that's just been said. Well, today we're going to look at kind of what was said before that. Like, what did Paul write that makes him say, but these things? Okay, and so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be right there before that in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to kind of start in verse 19, okay, and it says this. It says, now the works of the flesh are obvious, okay, then there's a colon there, and he's got this list, okay, and so here they are, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, Selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. And so he gives this list, right? Like these are the things of the flesh. These are the things that we, without the Spirit, naturally tend to lean towards. 
This is what we tend to desire without the need or without the help of, if you will, the Spirit. All right? And then he continues on and he says this. He says, uh, I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what he's saying there is this, because you might be going, well, you know, I've, I've maybe... I've maybe sinned in that way, or I've maybe been uh, envious or, or angry or one of those things, and you're like, well, I'm not sure about that. But look here, what he's talking about is when those desires of the flesh have the upper hand, okay, they become obvious in our lives. But then when he says that they are not ready for the kingdom of God, he's talking about those that practice these on the regular, right? Kind of live in these things, then they're not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, why would that be that they're not fit for the kingdom of God? Because they're not pure and they're not clean, right? The things of the Spirit are pure. The things of the Spirit are clean. And here he's listing these things that are not pure and not clean, okay? Now, we're going to step ahead a little bit in our list there in Galatians. We've kind of been going in order, uh, and today we're going to kind of step ahead to this idea of self-control, all right, And so we're going to be moving forward to that. And kind of our key scripture for this week was Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Okay? And it says this. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Now, how has the grace of God appeared? It has appeared through, as we're going to find out at the end of this verse, Jesus Christ. Okay? But he's brought salvation for all. But then there's a next thing to that. Okay, so salvation comes, but then there's this next thing. And it says, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So look here, he desires for us to be instructed. To be instructed to do what? To deny God. Or, yeah, to deny godliness and to deny worldly lust. But then he desires what from us? He desires that we live in a sensible and a righteous way, okay? Now, here's the thing this morning. You may look at that and go, well, you know, I, I, I screw up. Like, I mess up occasionally, or maybe even you're like, I screw up often. But either way, here's the thing. That shows us ultimately this, that we need help, Right? We need a helper in that. We need Jesus himself to be a part of our lives so then we can pursue the things of not the flesh, but the things of the Spirit. Right? Because look at the next part of that verse. It says here, he gave himself for us to redeem us. Right? To redeem us. Like that is his desire. That's why he gave up his life for us is to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession eager to do good works. That's why he gave himself, is so that we ourselves would then be redeemed, okay? Now, what's, what's there? Like, what is there to redeem us from? Well, ultimately, the flesh, right? Those desires of the flesh, they will always be there. We can't get rid of them. Like, they will be there no matter how much we love Jesus. There will always be this tension between the desires of the Spirit and the desires of the flesh. It'll always be there, but as we draw closer to Jesus, guess what? We work through that desire, okay? And I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to walk through that a little bit here this morning, okay? So first, let's do something practical for, here just for a second. If you've got a piece of paper or something like that, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about this question right here. What are some of the areas where you maybe lack self-control? 
All right? What are some of the areas that you maybe lack self-control? Now, this may be a hard list to write, or this may be an easy list to write, or this may be something that you don't want to write, but here's the thing. I want to kind of, you know, we got to bring ourselves to a place of reality first. Like, what are the things that we perhaps struggle with? Let me give you a couple uh, different ideas, okay? So the first one was this. Spending versus income right? Like you have no self-control. You just buy, 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 but yet the money isn't there, okay? Maybe that's one. Maybe it's words that are spoken to others, or maybe it's words that are posted to others, right? Or maybe it's sexual desire. Maybe it's, it's dating, or it's, it's pornography. Or it's, it's something along those lines. Maybe it's an addiction to a substance or a drink. Maybe it's uh, your appetite. Like maybe you, you just feed, right? Whatever it might be, there's, there's multiple hang-ups that can come into our lives. But we've got to bring ourselves to a reality of, okay, what are the things? Like, what are they? Because if you don't pinpoint them, it's going to be really hard for you to allow the Lord to work in your life in those areas. So what are they? All right, so that's where we're starting this morning. What are those things in your life? Now, here's the thing. No one in the room is fully immune from that list that I just mentioned. Right? None of us. Not a one of us. So here's the thing. They are things that we can, though, have self-control over. It's possible. It's possible, but you're not going to be able to do it alone. You're not going to be able to do it alone. That's why we need Jesus. Okay, so here's the thing. Our natural tendency, again, is what? To go to the flesh. Now, here's the thing as we walk through this morning. Peter, okay? If we think about Peter for a minute, Peter was like, close to Jesus, there with Jesus, but Peter made a lot of mistakes, right? Like Peter, and even like the most key moments, Peter makes the mistakes. And, and he, he, he kind of goes towards the flesh occasionally, and he doesn't always go towards the spirit, right? And so his life with Jesus and his time with Jesus was kind of crazy in the things that he did. But Later, he would write these two kind of letters, if you will, postcards even, to the churches or the believers in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And so when he's writing those, think about this for a second, he is, he is writing from almost personal experience, right? Like, this is how I screwed up, and I want to share it with you now so you won't screw up in those same ways. Like, this is the mistake I made or the mess I got into, right? And so in 1 Peter 5.8, He writes this. He says, be serious and be alert because your adversary, the devil, is prowling around around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. And resist him. Catch that. Resist him and be firm in your faith or in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are being experienced by fellow believers throughout the world. You see, the opposition is always going to be against you right? And so you look at it and you go, man, this is a hopeless situation then. Like, how do I ever get to a place of having self-control? But look what else he writes. In verse 10, he says this. He says, now the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will personally, catch that, personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little But then this last part just kind of offers a little bit of hope. The dominion belongs to him forever, right? So the one that is leading you in this way, guess what? The dominion belongs to 
him. But then he writes this in his second letter, okay? Second Peter 1.3, he says this. His divine power, his being Jesus, has given us everything required for life and godliness. Let me read that again. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And by these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption. Right? So when we sit here and go, man, this is hopeless. No, no, through Jesus, look, you have now the ability and the opportunity to escape the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. Amen? Like, sweet. Yes, thank you, right? So here's the thing. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. Goodness with knowledge. Knowledge with this word here now, self-control. And self-control with endurance. And endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love. Man, those are some beautiful beautiful promises that we've been given. Promises you can bank on. Promises that you can rest in. Promises you can sit in, right? Now you may look at this and go, okay, but that doesn't seem easy. Guess what? It's not. I'm sorry, but it's not easy. It's not easy to have self-control. And so then we go, okay, well, you know, would it be easier just to fold? Like, would it be easier just to kind of give up? Would it be easier to just kind of go free with all of this? Like, would that be a great way to do it? Like, pull, pull the prodigal, if you will. Like, I'm going to live it up, and I'm going to go practice these things of the flesh, and I'm not going to worry about anything that I hear from the Spirit. I'm just going to go this direction. Well, what do we see in the Scriptures? Right? Like, if Jesus is truly Lord, if he is king of my heart, as we just sang, right, if he is Lord of my life, then where do I go for my instruction and direction? Well, I go to his word, right? That's where I step into. That's where I dive into. And so then I've got to look there for my instruction. And so when I look there, here's what I see, that he tells us to go towards them and enjoy them, these things of the flesh. Anybody? Nope. Nope. It's not what he says, right? He doesn't say, hey, run after those things, just flourish in those things. No, he says, flee from those things, right? Flee from those things. Like, go as far as you can from them. I think about fleeing from like a snake, right? Or fleeing from a spider. Last night, the boys had a spider in their room, and somehow in the dark, Owen saw it. I don't know, but it was there. Like, it was truly there, but they fleed from the room, and they were in our room like that. Like, there's a spider, right? But how do you flee from from sin? Do you flee from it in the same way? That's a tongue twister. How do you flee from a spider, right? Do you flee from sin in that same way? Or do you go, well, you know, we'll kind of we'll try this. We'll sample it. No, no. Flee from these things. And you're like, well, you know, uh, Paul, Paul writes the scripture that everything is permissible. He does, but there's a second part to that, right? But not everything is beneficial, right? Not everything is beneficial. Now, remember at the beginning, I talked about how these things of the Spirit are pure. They are good. They are holy, Right? They're beneficial. <laughs> could be another one that we could add to that. But here's how I think we sometimes look at this idea of self-control. 
If I can take those things that are, that are in my life and I can just kind of stuff them away and continue to stuff them away and then maybe at some point they'll get so small in the corner that I'll just kind of forget about them, right? Like here they are underneath my foot, I've got them. But here's the thing, it's like one of those, uh, one of those snake in a can. You ever seen one of those, right? You stuff the snake in and he's got a spring in it, you know, and you stuff him in there, you put the lid on, then what happens when you open the lid? Oh man, it's right there in your face, boom, Right? I think that's sometimes what we do with the with these sin is like we, we stuff it down and we try so hard to stuff it down. But here's what I'm asking you to do this morning is not stuff it in the can, but kick the can. Right? Like get it out of your hands, get it out of in front of your face, and let the thing go. You say, Well, I get rid of it and then it comes back. Yes, it does. But continue to flee from it. Right? Flee from it. I love how recently we've been hearing and seeing in our discipleship groups people that are deleting apps, like getting rid of apps on their phone. Because why? Because it's a temptation. Fleeing from it. Get rid of it. Right? Putting measures in place in their family and in their household. Because why? Because I want to get rid of this thing. Like I want to flee from it. And it's so cool to see. Now, here's the thing. We don't just want to hear the words of God, right? Like, hear, okay, flee from it. Flee from these things. We don't want to just hear it. We want to do it, right? We want to put it into place. And so this morning, I want to give you kind of four practical things as we wrap up here, how we can kind of uh, help to grow in this area of self-control, all right? So if you got your notes, here we go. The first one is this, your identity, okay? Your identity. Become secure in who you belong to, right? Who do you belong to? Do you belong to this world or do you belong to Jesus the King, right? Are you a part of his kingdom? Because you belong to the one that is in charge. Like he is in charge. We just read a minute ago that his, his, the, uh, his footstool is the enemy, Right? Like he is in charge. He is over all dominion. And you're a part of his kingdom when you're in Christ Jesus. But here's the thing. Your identity is secure in that. Right? It's secure in that. It's not what everybody else thinks. It's not what you think. But it's what he has promised you. What he has told you. And so when your identity is secure in that, that is an amazing place for you then to start. Because you're not looking at what everybody else is wanting from you. You're saying, what does Christ Jesus want from me in the way that I live? Okay? So first thing, your identity. The second one is this. Discover what God's word says about your struggle. Right? Like discover truth. Jump in there and find the truth. It's going to be there. Right? It's going to be there. Look what Corinthians says about our struggles. 1 Corinthians 10, 11, it says this. It says, these things happened to them as examples, and they were written as a warning to us. Well, what things were written? Well, these things of selfish desires and these things were basically all these people fell to temptation. Right? And so he writes to the Corinthians and says, look, these things were written for you as an example so you would know then how to live. So look at verse 13. No temptation has come upon you that is not faced by others. But God is faithful. 
and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. So guess what? You are not the first and you are not the only that has ever experienced the temptations that you are experiencing in your life. Right? Like that's crazy to think when we go, well, you know, I'm the only one that's ever faced this. No, no, no. Like we each and every one face temptation. And what does the Lord say that there that he provides? He is faithful, right? He will be faithful in those temptations. He will be faithful in those moments. You ever been in a moment and you're like, you hear stop, you hear no, you hear don't do it, and you're like, I gotta, right? And then you do it. Guess what? That might be the Holy Spirit saying, no, this is, this is a moment for you to step out. This is a moment for you to grow in your self-control. By what? By hearing and then doing, right? So the third one is this. We talked about it a little bit. Flee from it, right? Get the heck out of Dodge. Work to flee from it. Imagine how the, the, the stories of the Bible where if people fell into temptation or even your own personal story would or could have been different if you would have fleed from that temptation, right? Like if you would have stepped away from that temptation in your life, David wouldn't have messed up, Samson wouldn't have messed up, Peter wouldn't have messed up, you and I wouldn't have messed up. But I want to add this, on that particular time, right? On that particular time, because here's what happens, okay? We get into this place where kind of the, the devil, who we just found out is, is prowling around like a lion, right, tells us this, hey, God is love, and God will forgive you, and so then we just go ahead and go through the temptation, and then we ask for forgiveness, right? Like, he kind of he tricks us, if you will, that, that, hey, you know what, he's a God of love, and he is, like, that's truth, and God will forgive you, yes, that's truth, he will, but sometimes we fall into this trap of like, I'm going to go ahead and do it and then ask for forgiveness. Right? And he's saying, no, no, no. Flee from it. Okay? And we go back to that verse that Paul says, uh, is it permissible? Right? Sure, it is. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. But not everything is beneficial. And those things of, of flesh are not beneficial to your life. Those things of the Spirit, yes, they're beneficial. All right? Now, the last thing is this, number four, okay? Worship. Worship. Allow your act of obedience to be an act of worship. Like submit yourself to God Almighty. Now we read in our, in our Believe book this past week, uh, scriptures along the lines of this, come near to him and he will come near to you. So draw closer to him, not draw closer to the temptation. And what does he do? He will come near to you. So here's the thing this morning, and kind of what I want to pray for you over, or pray over you this morning, okay, is this. In the name of Jesus, I ask you to declare war on any sin that is robbing Jesus of the worship he deserves. Right? Let me say that again. In the name of Jesus, I ask you, each of you, to declare war on any sin that is robbing Jesus of the worship he deserves. Declare war. Right? Ask Jesus to fight for you because God's Holy Spirit is bigger than any of those temptations coming in your life. He's bigger. The Holy Spirit is bigger. I want to I kind of end with this, okay? Like shining a little bit of truth into your life. Those things of temptation are not good for us. 
okay? And it's more importantly, not okay with Jesus. Like he doesn't like those things for your life. He doesn't desire to see those things in your life. What does he desire? He desires to see the things of the spirit being growth or birthed and growing in your life, okay? So I want to leave you with this last verse here of what Jesus has done for us. This is the thing I want you to rest in this week, okay? This is what Jesus does for us as we battle against these temptations with our self-control. Romans 6, 6, it says this. It says, for we know that our old self, right, who we used to be, was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished. It's gone, right? It's gone so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is free from sin's claims. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him, because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For in light of the fact that he died, he died to sin once for all. But in light of the fact that he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive in God, or alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all right, so now all that's been said, so therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires, right? And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. Can you imagine? Imagine that for a second. You are a weapon to righteousness when you submit yourself to him. Right? A weapon of righteousness for sin. Look here, verse 14. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law, but under grace. The grace and the love that Jesus has for you. That's something to celebrate, right? Like, that's something to celebrate. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that and what you've brought me out of, okay? So this week, here's what I want you to do, okay? I'd love for you to come back to this, Romans 6, right? Read through that again and again. If you have multiple days, go for it. If you have one day, try that. But go back to these scriptures and bank on the promises that are there, okay? Your old self is crucified in Christ. If you don't have Christ in your life, man, let's begin that conversation. Let's begin that move towards Christ and what he offers there for you, all right? Let me pray for us, and then we'll finish up today.